Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning in California, we have again, uh, for the second time, uh, an incredibly special guest, the president of the California Rifle and Pistol Association and uh, the senior partner of uh, Chuck Michelle and Associates, Mr. Chuck Michelle. Thanks for being here, Chuck. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. You're probably, again, best known in California as the, the Freedom Week attorney. <laughs> um, so in case you forgot, the if you haven't listened to the first episode, you want to go back and, and see where Chuck was on a, a few weeks ago before the major Supreme Court decision on Second Amendment, uh, where Chuck, among other things, predicted that it was going to be Clarence Thomas that wrote the opinion in that New York case. And uh, I have to admit, when I heard Chuck predict that, I got excited, but I also was a little bit, you know, I, I was holding back my excitement because <clears throat> if Thomas was the guy, I knew that it would be the best possible situation. For, for us, for the Constitution, for the rights of all Americans, not just for one party, but for everybody. And it turned out that morning, uh, it was a Thursday morning, I think it was what, June 23rd or something like that, uh, a few weeks ago, I saw the headline and then I went to the text. I was like, okay, who's writing this? Who's going to write this? And then I saw Clarence Thomas and I I had a huge smile, huge relief. I was like, okay, I know it's going to be probably the best it could be, but there's still challenges. So what is this, what does this decision mean for the second amendment? How big is this? Well, well, there's the, there's the immediate impact, which is that it struck down New York state's law requiring a special need requiring that you basically show you're being stalked or have a death threat or something before you can get a license to carry a firearm in, in public. Yeah. Uh, the court ruled that you can't require any such special need or proper cause or uh, the analogous statute in California requires good cause. Uh, you can't require that to get a permit to, to, to carry a license, uh, to get a license to carry a firearm in public. You have to accept self-defense as uh, the justification. So it struck down New York's law and in the process, uh, it, it, it effectively struck down the good cause requirement in California, the uh, similar requirement in Hawaii, a similar requirement in New Jersey. I think that's, that's all that occurred to me right now, but all the, all the other states that had similar uh, requirements that you show some kind of a special need before you can get a permit, all of their systems are out the window. Uh, that's, that's and, and before I get into how the, 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 the liberals are pushing back on that and trying to undermine that decision. I'll talk about the, what's really important in the, even more important in the Supreme Court's decision, which is they scuttled what had been being used as a standard of review. Uh, what had been used before was some kind of an interest balancing test where you weigh the government's interest in public safety versus the individual's interest in their second amendment rights. And that kind of interest balancing made it very easy for judges, biased judges, to put their fingers on the scales and make a decision come out any way they want, it wanted, or a judge or a judicial panel wanted, so that laws were routinely upheld against constitutional challenge because uh, they said, well, the government's interest outweighs the 
the individuals. Never mind that they just took the legislature's word for the government's interest. They didn't hold them to any real uh, test of having to present evidence to show that you know this law, whatever law it might have been, was going to actually do anything, make anything anyone safer. Uh, the government basically could get away with anything in passing these laws as long as they passed a bunch of, uh, of, of legislative findings in the process that were spoon fed to them by the gun ban lobby. So uh, it, it replaced that test that, that the judges apply when they're evaluating the constitutionality of a law under a Second Amendment challenge with a basically an originalism test, which is what we predicted last time we talked which looks at the text, the history and the tradition and says, what kind of laws were around when the second amendment was passed or when the 14th amendment was passed, which incorporated the second amendment uh, as against the states. Uh, and if, it, if there were no similar laws, they don't have to be exact, just as Thomas was careful to point out, but there has to be something that indicates that the founding fathers or the folks who passed the 14th amendment were actually uh, would have tolerated the type of law that's that's uh, being uh, proposed today, and if it doesn't, then that law is unconstitutional. And equally important, said so the state is the one that bears the burden of proving what. Once you show that a law comes under the Second Amendment's uh, uh, right to keep and bear arms, uh, then it's the state that has burden of showing that there is some historical analog, some statute similar to the one they're proposing now that would have been taught, would, would have been tolerated at the time of the passing of the second or 14th amendment. That's going to be hard for them to do. They are going to really stretch. I mean, I know that there are some scholars on the other side of this issue that are, you know, they're out there researching mousetrap laws from the 1800s, you know, trying to find something that that they can say is analogous to a, a magazine capacity ban or a, or a semi-automatic ban or a you know, ban on, on firearms in certain places. But so that's the more important result of this case is that it changed, it's not even a standard of review. We used to call it, we're talking about standards of review because there was rational basis, intermediate scrutiny, strict scrutiny. There's not any of those standards anymore. That It's all wiped out in favor of the text history and tradition test and, and so now I'm afraid what's going to happen is we're going to get, we used to get junk science, junk policy. Now we're going to get junk history right, being right. put out there to try and justify these laws. Law office history, nothing more dangerous. <laughs> um, so there's one step basically now there's, there's not two steps where the, the lower courts, some of the lower courts were applying on concealed carry. With the notable, notable exception of Wren versus District of Columbia in 2017, that effectively did what this case did for New York. It did for D.C. Right. in 2017. Right. Uh, have you thought about the impact of that decision? I think it was Judge Griffith that wrote that decision. Well, the, 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 the District Circuit. of Columbia decided not to appeal that because they didn't want to set the precedent that the New York case just set. So the impact is it, it applied, it, DC was on the right track before, although it still didn't apply the right judicial review test. Nobody's really done that since Heller in 2008. I mean, there's been some dissents like from Kavanaugh 
and, and some of the judges that are now on the Supreme Court that recognized what the appropriate test should have been based on what Heller said and didn't go along with this judicial, you know, mind bending, intellectual twisting, you know, spin on what they think the test ought to be so that they could essentially uphold anything that, that was challenged. Right. So DC is, is now shell issue and has been right. for longer, but also now California, Hawaii, New Jersey. Uh, do, you, do you think all, that, all the states have to be? Do you think that uh, the shall issue change in DC for a few years before this, do you think that helped prepare the ground for people who live in or around DC that they were able to see that there's not really any bad thing that's going to come out of this? In fact, well, that's it a just good makes question. I, you see, DC played the same game that California and New York are now playing. They did whatever they could to try and make it as hard as possible to get a permit, even though theoretically you didn't know that need to show the special need anymore. Now, I don't know the details of how DC did their resistance to that, to that ruling. Uh, but I don't think there were a whole lot of people that got permits and were walking around DC with concealed firearms. That's what, that, that's what's happened in the other 43 states. See, that's when it gets normalized. When people see that they get used to people walking around with firearms, they realize they're not going to have a wild west shootout in the streets right. it doesn't mean anything they get comfortable yeah. around that that's right and then they realize they don't need to be afraid it's a and cultural that's thing. what the gun yeah. ban lobby is afraid of they that's want right. people to be afraid of the guns so that they resist anything that allows more people to have a gun for self-defense or to defend their families yeah i'm getting the emails i get the emails from brady uh because I had a, a friend of mine from high school that was high up in Brady. And I think he put me on the email list just to screw with me. But uh, yeah, so I get the emails and I, I actually read some of them because I want to see what they're thinking. And right. they were having, they were having a meltdown for weeks before this. And then after it, they said it was a, a win for NRA. They, they totally miss the whole point of reason why people support this is because they, they think in terms of organizations only, they don't think in terms of individual rights in terms right. of this issue. They want to, they want to, that's the problem. The NRA is just hoisted as this demon and, and, and put out there as it's all, you know, they, they've mischaracterized the, the NRA's position and the, all the second amendment pro second amendment groups positions it's not about freedom as far as the gun ban lobby is concerned. It's about, you know, their narrative is oh, all these uh, entities exist to support the gun manufacturing uh, companies, which is such a joke because we do not get along. We do not get along that well with the, with the gun manufacturers. They I mean, they're they generally simpatico yeah. of the cause, but it's not like, they they they're having coffee every morning nobody really well and the profit margins on guns everybody knows that this is not the most profitable thing you to go into the, the profit oh, no. margins on guns are razor thin because right. there's and so the, much on competition. new ones on new ones especially uh, but but uh, yeah. there's so the, much competition uh, they they don't they they work for a long time decades and right the ones that have been around for decades oftentimes are worth more than the new ones because they work so well and they're so nostalgic there's not a lot of there's only so many guns that people can buy and even if you have well, quite a few the, I mean, the, you can the, only the, use and, one or two at a time right and yet and yet the gun ban lobby 
uses the same tactics that were used against tobacco to try and litigate them out of existence, cost them so much in attorney's fees that they can't be profitable. Uh, you know, and that's and that's a strategy. And the, the, the irony is, though, that the, the, the gun industry makes in a year what the tobacco industry makes in a day. So it's a lot easier to knock the gun industry out of business if you litigate them to death. And that's what they're trying to do now in California. The governor just signed a bill that allows uh, private parties to sue gun manufacturers, encourages them to, in fact, because that's that's what's happened now. We have this what I'm calling the blue resistance. As a result of this ruling, the CRPA and the Second Amendment Law Center have launched a Second Amendment reckoning campaign. It's long overdue. We've had a bunch of uh, pointless, useless, didn't make anybody safer laws, uh, so complicated that the legacy of most of those gun control laws is accidental criminals who uh, didn't have a regulatory compliance lawyers standing by uh, and didn't buy my book, and so they didn't read it. And so they didn't know what was legal and what wasn't, and they accidentally broke the law. That's the legacy of most gun control laws, accidental criminals out of good people. But now, uh, the, the, so we, we, we want to have a reckoning over all the things that have been done to us, all the laws that have been pushed down our throats that have not accomplished anything other than give politicians talking points and a narrative they can advance to try and get reelected and get more power. Uh, now, uh, in response to our efforts to, you know, we as soon as that decision came down, CRPA sent letters to every jurisdiction in California that wasn't issuing permits uh, to carry, saying now you have to. So we, you know, and then we we uh, we have several lawsuits that are already in play. We reactivated those. Took the they had been stayed. We moved to unstay those things and get those lawsuits back in in motion. Four of the lawsuits that the Supreme Court had been holding. Uh, they, that where they lost were were uh, the Supreme Court overturned those lower court losses without without any discussion, vacated the decision, and remanded it back to the lower court again to reconsider in light of the Bruin holding. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in play to now make the most of the Bruin ruling, and naturally there's a blue resistance. The Democrats do not want the Bruin case to be the land of the, the, the law of the land, and they do not want people to be able to get permits to carry a, a, uh, a gun in public. And so they have done everything they can. They're going to expand the definition of sensitive places where firearms, where, where even a license doesn't allow you to carry a firearm. They're trying to expand the definition of bad moral character so that, you know, if you ever took a mulligan on a golf course, you're, you're a bad guy and you don't, you don't deserve a gun. Um, I mean, that's how ludicrous it's getting. Uh, right. Because yeah, they're vindictive that, and they're sore losers. Yeah, that's right. The the good moral character thing, that's interesting. I'm sure you saw in New York, they want to have three years of, I don't know what, what the specifics were, but they want to have your social media accounts. Right. Uh, so I didn't know, I didn't get the detail. They want the passwords to those social media accounts so they can snoop through. You know, I stuff. don't, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do that. I think, I think, yeah, they have to give you, well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know, but they're going, it seems like a massive intrusion on privacy. Just I to would get, think so. Yes. There's going to be some lawsuits there. This is, you know, this happened in first amendment jurisprudence, right? When you get a big landmark case like this, then you spend another decade you know, litigating the details. And so uh, 
we will be filing, CRPA will be filing suit, uh, partnering with Gun Owners of California and Second Amendment Foundation to sue over these expansive sensitive areas, to sue over the expansion of bad moral character. And then you talk about privacy. I mean, the, the problem with the social media, looking at that, I mean, I subscribe to all kinds of weirdos. <laughs> I, I, I read what all kinds of, of pe people say. I subscribe to, uh, you know, a lot of things which if they thought that I, if that, I, that I agreed with those things, they'd probably say, I don't deserve to get a permit to carry a right. license. But I'm just looking at sure. it from a, you know, trying to well, educate myself and, and, and see both sides. And, and generally it's pretty clear to me which side is right. Well, when you, uh, yeah, I, I can see why they, they lost the discretion they had to discriminate against whoever they wanted to. Right. with the good cause the good cause there is still the good moral character possibility so they want to latch onto that discretion there and hopefully have all the discretion they from their perspective Indeed. they want to have all the same discretion they had originally right but to do that they're going to have to now violate the first amendment and they do that on college campuses i'm very familiar with this because they'll redefine uh, what it means to be a good person. And that means right. if you agree with them on everything, because exactly. otherwise you're I've, a hateful I've, person. I've fought a few of those fights with uh, the fire and the fire group and those guys. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, that, that's what, that's what, that's the problem. They want the bias. They want to be able to keep their bias in there and use their biased opinion to deprive people to decline their application for a license. And, and that's exactly what the Supreme Court warned against. It said the, uh, the the standards have to be objective. You can't have these this kind of bias creeping in. You know, so they want to politicize it again. They want to make your license pract practically useless. And then we had then we had Attorney General Bonta, in his zeal to embarrass gun owners and in the interest of, in his words the interest of transparency, uh, he puts up a portal that has information about uh, assault weapon registrations, <coughs> uh, firearm safety certificate holders, uh, dross, dealer record of sale, and whoever had the licenses to carry a firearm in public in California before, a CCW, whoever had a CCW, we published their names, but not just their names in the city uh, and county, which has been public records for 20 years. They never before published their street addresses. And so Bonta and his incompetent or perhaps intentional uh, DOJ published the street addresses of 200,000 CCW holders in the state of California, including a, a, thousand of a thousand or so judges, prosecutors, defense attorneys, not to mention you know, stalking victims who went to great pains to hide from their stalker or celebrities who didn't want, you know, obsessed fans jumping over their fence. I mean, all these people have been outed. They've been doxxed by the DOJ. And so we're trying to collect information and figure out what the best uh, legal response is to that. In the meantime, the sheriffs that issued these licenses that assured their folks they would be, uh, their, their home address would not be revealed are, 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 are livid with the attorney general and the attorney general in response has hired an outside law firm to do an independent investigation supposedly we'll see it's a politically connected law firm but we'll see uh it, it should be 
interesting, but I don't know why they need to dig that deep. Somebody somewhere already knows how that button got pushed that released all this information when it wasn't supposed to be released. Was it the was it the computer company, the tech company? Was it some clerk? Was it some you know some lawyer? Who was that? Somebody made that decision to go live with that information, and that's what we want to know. But in the meantime, CRPA has launched a campaign to have uh, Bonta resign. That's the level of breach of public trust that disclosing all that information reveals. He's made two hundred thousand people vulnerable, and 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 in fear. They're all in fear now that somebody who might be out to get them now can find them. It is ironic that uh, you have a regime that's supposedly based on good cause. And then, so you, so they've acknowledged all of those licensees have good cause, meaning strict definition of good cause, meaning their life is in danger. Distinct from the general community, I think is how New York. Right. Works. They, they got and, their licenses and, under the old standard. Yes. And so those licensees, those are not just, uh, according to their standard, are not just uh, average people. These are special people that with special need. And to have their privacy breached in that way is egregious on their own standard. And if this is a private firm that did this, someone would already be fired, right? Someone have been fired probably within 72 hours. So oh, yeah. has there any been, been anybody fired from the DOJ because of this? We don't know. And the AG is not saying you get these cryptic responses. He sent out a, he, this, the law requires him to send out notification when you've had your data revealed. And so he had to send out 200,000 letters to all the people that, that had their data, uh, their address exposed. And in that, he offers, you know, uh, I think it's a year subscription to a credit monitoring agency. You know what I mean? Free credit report. Wow. I mean, it's way too little, way too late. Talk and, about tone and, deaf. And, and exactly. He wow. ignores the real damage that he did here was, which was he's, he's made all these people vulnerable and they're all terrified now that they're, that they're, uh, that they can be found and, and, and their family can, or they can be hurt. You've or their about, gun can be targeted. Just their right. gun could be, they know, criminals know they have a gun at this house now, yeah. <laughs> or maybe more than several guns. And so yeah. now there's the target for theft. It's a roadmap to, to basically terrorize the people that are on this list. This, so this is why, by the way, yeah. we don't wanna share registration information. We don't have our right. guns registered with the government. You yes, can't there's no trust accountability. the government to keep a secret. Yeah, there's no accountability. It's pretty clear that the government doesn't work for the people here in California. It works for itself. It works for its own political. And the, and the, and the bigger problem is that you know we've been looking into possible remedies to this. How what? How can we make the attorney general pay? How can we make the state of California pay for this mistake? There, they have a lot of of, of uh, immunities. And the damages, this is not a Second Amendment case, folks need to keep in mind. It's a privacy case. It's a right to privacy case. And with 200,000, and that, by the way, that doctrine, that area of law is, is not very developed. It's a relatively new field, especially the technological privacy aspect. Uh, and so uh, there, there's not a lot of, you can't really, 
hit someone very hard for, they never contemplated in writing these laws a, a, a breach of this magnitude, uh, which, which was less than, which wasn't really about credit. You know, so like the, the Equifax breach or whatever the, the credit agencies that have let out this information, that, that mostly uh, leads to people being concerned about identity theft. That's what the privacy rights have been focused on up till now, not on a breach like this where your information makes you a target and revealing the information makes you a target for thieves or, or, or bad guys. So we're, we're really have a hard time coming up with a good theory to really hammer the state of California. Uh, I've been collecting people's names for a class, possible class action, and I'll be putting more about that out. There's, a, there's an information page on the crpa.org website as we get more information about this breach, we post it there. So folks should should check back there and sign up at crpa.org for uh, for our email alerts. We'll keep posted about what, how things develop. So the state of California cannot claim qualified immunity on this because this was a contrary to policy, like they've just admitted, right? So well, no qualified well, immunity well, only goes with policy. I mean, that that's not that's not to say they can't. That's to say that that's our counter when they do, because they will. They'll claim immunity and they'll claim there's no damage and they'll claim that, that uh, you know, a fear of becoming a victim because your home address was published is speculative damage. It's not real damage. You don't know what that is. You know, and the remedy is not to, to you know, pay to, to relocate someone, which is the only thing that could really solve the problem. You can't put this cat back in the, back in the bag. I mean, those lists are out there on the dark web someplace available. Uh, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. You, can, you can't, you know, no amount of money right. is going to- How do you prove the damages? Damage. Of course, for these kinds of feared damages, if, if the damage actually happened, it would be too late. Right. 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 So You might have damages uh, if you get killed. It might not be speculative if you're dead. And because right. the guy right. found you. So, right. Right. so, so how do you build that into your uh, overcoming this qualified immunity defense? We've really, we've really been wrestling with this. You know, like I said, this is not a second amendment issue. It's a right to privacy issue. And, and then it's a managing a class of 200,000 people. How do you do that? I mean, a class, a and by the way, a class action is not that great of a thing, you know, typically the class actions are brought by class action lawyers who are looking for a fee award at the end and they're fighting over, you know, we all get the class action thing in the mail once in a while, you know, and typically you get a coupon for a free hot dog or something or a, or a year credit monitoring. And that's the remedy for each class member. And then the class, the class lawyers, get, you know, millions of dollars in fees reimbursed because they chased all this down. It's not, I'm not doing this to try and collect fees. I'm not trying to help people. I'm trying to help people to, to, to figure out how they can feel safer, feel better and hold the attorney general accountable and, and yeah. know what exactly happened because there's a very real question about whether he did this deliberately. Yeah. You know, because, because right. there's going to be people now who would be who would be able to get a license because you don't have to show self uh, good cause anymore. You can just use self-defense. But now some people are going to be afraid to get a license because they're afraid that their address is going to be made public. So it may have a chilling effect on those people's Second Amendment rights because now uh, Bonta did this. So 
And that's right along the lines of the kind of thing that he would like to have happen. Fits in right in right in there with the blue resistance and their plans on trying to to make it make the number of people who get these licenses to minimize the number of people who get these licenses now that they can. Well, that's that's chilling listening to you say that. Yeah, and it, there's another aspect of this, and that is when a private actor does something like this, and then there's a class action. Uh, each person doesn't get that much, but you feel a little bit better about it. Well, actually a lot better about it because it's coming from private hands. But in this case, right. any kind of monetary compensation will come from the taxpayers. Exactly. It'll come from the, the same people that got hurt. So this is all twisted up. This is just really. And the, and the reality is courts do not like to give big awards that get paid by taxpayer dollars. That's just the reality. So you know, I, I'll be putting out more information about this. We are still looking into it. We are talking to experts in various fields. Uh, and, and again, folks, just subscribe to crpa.org for the emails and we'll be sending out updates. So you've talked about the blue resistance. We got uh, ex trying to hold on to the discretion, expanding sensitive places, expanding good moral character, de arbitrary definition. Just anything that's arbitrary and capricious they can do to squeeze into public safety rationale, right? Uh, you got right, the and it's not just it's not just these permits. Mm -hmm. It's guns in general. Look, the 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 blue resistance is about your it's about the gun culture. And I and by that I mean folks who understand the value of firearms for self-defense or sport or hunting or I mean or just fun. I mean, going to the shooting range and, and bringing you know, bringing your kids to shooting them to discipline and training them. I mean, all of this gun culture, freedom loving gun culture is hated by the, the blue resistance. They see it as a political force that they would lock, not lock, like to knock out. And as a, as a philosophical, you know, a, a hobby or a philosophical belief or a state of mind that they are dr dr drastically opposed to because underlying it all is the whole real purpose of the second amendment was to keep the civilians armed in case the government got tyrannical. And, and that's something that, that the, the government that might move towards tyranny really doesn't want to have to deal with. So, uh, you know, you've got the, the folks in Sacramento and New York, Albany, you know, they are doing everything they can. And that includes not just trying to, stop people from getting a permit that they now can get, but also banning gun shows, uh, shutting down as many gun ranges as they can, uh, trying to make it impossible to run a gun store uh, to, or to open one, um, uh, knocking out. And the most late, the latest thing is they passed a law that's already in effect that bans marketing firearms or firearm-related products to youth because they want this generation of gun owners to be the last. They don't want us to be able to teach our teach our kids how to shoot or teach our kids, you know, get the Boy Scout merit badge or whatever it is. You know, they don't want that. Uh, and so they just passed a law to outlaw marketing anything to to uh, to minors. And so there's already we've already filed a lawsuit. CRPA filed a lawsuit within a week after that was signed. We'll be going in for a restraining order and, and an injunction this week to try and knock that out on First Amendment grounds, interestingly enough. 
so, but that's all part of it. I mean, this is what they're what they're up to. They they have yeah. laws pending to ban gun shows, to ban gun stores. You it's, know, it's everything a, they can do. It's amazing that the First and Second Amendment are are going together like this, and they seem to be doing yeah. this quite a bit. You, uh, when you read that decision from Clarence Thomas. What was going through your mind? How were you feeling as you were reading it? I was feeling like he's enjoying this because he's been complaining about it, how the Supreme Court has been treating the the uh, Second Amendment like the you know the, the redheaded stepchild, uh, the second a second class right for ten years. Uh, he's been dissenting uh, when. The Supreme Court decided not to take a Second Amendment case, not to review uh, uh, an opinion uh, where a court upheld some gun control law that he thought they should review. Um, he, you know, he he's been very vocal in his disagreement with the court previously for the last fourteen years about what cases, Second Amendment cases, it wouldn't wouldn't take, and he has said, you know, you're applying the wrong standard, you're not following what we said you need to do in Heller, you're. You know, all of these lower courts are making a mistake and we're leaving them out there to continue to do it. And so now he, as I read that, I, I could practically feel him uh, being relieved as he set the record straight and told these low, lower courts, you can't get away with that anymore. Sounds right to me. Uh, so were you feeling a measure of relief at all as you read that? Well, yeah, I mean... You never know for sure how something's going to go down. You can sometimes right. read the tea leaves, but yeah. you never know for sure. And also, I mean, look, I've been working, my staff and I and, and a whole bunch of other lawyers and groups uh, have been working for 14 years to get this case back, uh, this issue back in front of the Supreme Court. We knew right after Heller came down, we knew that the next question well, in 2008, we knew the next question was, is, it in, is the Second Amendment's protection incorporated to restrict state and local infringements as well? And that was answered in 2010 in McDonald. And right. we knew right after that was answered that the next question is going to be, what is the real standard of review? What is the test right. that should be applied when uh, you're challenging a gun control law? And uh, what happened was this: the, the lower courts just came up, made, made up something that... that, yes. that to try and get around uh, uh, any, any, so there wouldn't be a second amendment that had any teeth. It would yeah. be you know, deferential to legislative findings or whatever, so that they could uphold everything. And we right. knew that was wrong from the, the minute they started applying it. And it, we watched it catch on across the states as they all adopted a similar approach. And we knew that was wrong. And so for since 2010, we've been trying to get a case back to the Supreme Court to, 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 to make it. And finally, we got one, and it did. Yeah, it's been quite a battle. Um, when I was reading this uh, decision from Clarence Thomas, I, I noticed that Judge Benitez he was using that exact case or sorry, that exact test in his district court rulings in the assault weapon ban, California, Miller versus I think the Sarah, I think, and yeah. then the Duncan one. Right. Um, so 
Judge Benitez there, the district court judge down there in Southern California, I think San Diego, he it, it he looks like a prophet now because he was well, re I mean the the second the uh the Supreme Court basically proved him right. So his his well, he, he, the he, test he, he used was the one the Supreme test, Court used. Yes, he it, he saw it coming, and so did a lot of the judges that dissented in in other cases where they were tested, where they applied the wrong test. It, it wasn't like this was completely unpredictable. The whole originalism uh, approach to evaluating uh, the constitutionality of statutes, not just Second Amendment statutes, that's been something that's been advocated for a while because. In the, in the First Amendment context, they've got this Rube Goldberg mousetrap game rigmarole of a standard of review that, you know, it's, it's, it's like a Rubik's Cube trying to figure out exactly what the standard of review should be. And it's changing all the time. And, and they wanted something simpler. But yes, Benitez saw it coming. Uh, but he did alternate analysis. He applied the standard that that the Ninth Circuit had uh, put out in the Siobhan case, which is the interest balancing standard. Uh, but he also did the history analysis to just cover his basis. And so we'll see what happens with that. That, that, that that's a case that's, that the Ninth Circuit hasn't figured out what to do with yet. It's still sitting there, uh, stayed uh, behind, um, can't remember what case it stayed behind but, uh, but it'll be coming back to life pretty soon are you talking about the duncan case or the miller case miller case the miller on the assault one but the duncan case the duncan case is now back in front of the on bond panel and they have to figure out what to do too they're probably going to remand it down to the three judge panel which ruled in our favor right you know the question is going to be is there enough factual Does it go back to the original panel to the three judge panel. And yes, the Supreme Court remands it back to where it came from to them. Okay. And then that panel can remand it from the 11 judge panel. They can go down to the three judge panel and the three judge panel theoretically could remand it back down to the district court. Uh, but what, you know, we don't know. It's kind of funny though, to because we know that the Enbank panel hates this ruling. They're going to be overturned on Duncan. And so there, but right. their choice is to send it back to the three judge panel, which is going to rewrite their opinion, but still strike down the law. Yeah. So we'll see. They might try, the Ombud panel might try to hold on to it, play games so that they can okay. try and find a way to rule against us. This is the kind of baloney that we have to deal with. Yeah. It seems, wow. That that's, I think most people don't realize how ridiculous that sounds because just to review here, if you're not, if you're barely hanging on here, uh, the Duncan case that we're referring to is the, is the so-called large capacity magazine case, right. which is, we say so-called because standard capacity is the term we prefer because it's like, okay, an analogy with like uh, gasoline tanks for cars. Let's say that standard gasoline tanks for cars is like 13 or 14 gallons. And then all of a sudden the legislature says, well, we want you to only have a car that has uh, 10 gallons. That's a safe car. So all those cars that came with you, you know, you have to block those, those uh, gas tanks to be in compliance with the law or, or you're a criminal. That would be an arbitrary limitation 
because ordinarily you just put as much gasoline as you can fit. If you can lawfully possess 10 gallons, you should be able to lawfully possess 10.1 gallons for the same purposes. I mean, so it's the same kind of issue with magazines. You have 10, 10 rounds, if that's for lawful purposes, right? You have 10 rounds for lawful purposes. What's the 11th round? Why is that all of a sudden unsafe? It doesn't, it doesn't right, it's make arbitrary. any sense. It's totally arbitrary. But, but any case, we, we won that at the, well, actually that was this your is, case, right? So you won yes. that. That's, so we, let me, let me correct myself. I was, not, I was not the lawyer. <laughs> Mr. Chuck Vishal was the lawyer. He won, he won that, but he won it for us. And we, so in that sense, we did win and you won it for us. And right. then we, it went we to the, as the second amendment community, we yes. won. That's a collective. I mean, that's who that's I right. represent really. I mean, yeah. I have you did all the work, but we won all the people who believe in yeah. the second amendment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and so yeah, we won in front of it? Judge Benitez. Yes. So there's this guy, Judge Benitez. So we got Benitez. ahead of our audience here. So to yeah. recap the Duncan case, the yeah. Duncan case, Virginia Duncan, wonderful woman, uh, and the CRPA and two other plaintiffs challenged the Prop 63 uh, ban on possession of magazines that hold over 10 rounds. Years ago, they passed one that said, well, you can't import or sell these anymore, but anybody who had them was grandfathered in. And we said, well, you're not going to stick to that very long. Oh, sure, we will. We're not going to take these away. We're not going to ban possession. Then lo and behold, a few year, uh, years later, yeah, they go right after the possession. So they want you to have to turn them in. They're not going to give you any money for them. You just have to turn them in. You can't keep them. And you can't buy them or sell them in this state anymore either. So we challenged that. And we won in front of Judge Benitez. And he said both of the, the ban on possession and the ban on importation are both illegal. Uh, uh, and he and he issued an injunction. And what wound up happening here is for a week there, his injunction was in place before the state could get it up to the Ninth Circuit to get that injunction halted. And that was Freedom Week because that was the week that everybody could buy magazines in California because the federal court had invalidated both laws about yes, importation and possession. And so millions of magazines came into the state. Gavin Newsom became the magazine salesperson of the decade in California because his law uh, uh, and our challenge to it uh, got the injunction that allowed, you know, the, every warehouse, magazine warehouse across the country was emptied out as they supplied the pent up demand in California. So then it went to the Ninth Circuit though, and we managed to fight and make sure that they maintained the status quo. And the status quo was, you, if you had them, you could keep them, including the folks who bought them during Freedom Week, but you couldn't buy any more right now. You couldn't import them. So you could possess them if you got them before the first law or during Freedom Week, but you couldn't uh, buy, buy more. That's how it's been uh, ever since. So then we went up to the three-judge panel, and we won there, which was kind of unheard of and happened uh, to a large degree because right. the Ninth Circuit is no longer two-thirds uh, liberal Democrats and one third Republicans. It's now right. about 50 50. And so we got a good panel and we won. And then as, as they usually do, they, they, the ninth circuit took it up to the on bond panel where they'd get another chance to, to declare it illegal, which is exactly what they did. And then we took it yeah. to the Supreme court to ask the Supreme court to not to, to overturn the on bond panels decision against us. 
and and they did. They, they haven't said we're right. They just vacated the Ninth Circuit panel, the en banc panel, and sent it back to them. So it's a kind of a tortured progression, district court, three-judge panel, en banc court, Supreme Court, back yeah. to en banc court. Right. Uh, but, so now, uh, the, now the en banc, they, they're dealing with this vacated decision. The, the reason it's vacated is because they used the wrong test, right? They used the two-step crappy test that favors, uh, re, you know, violating the second amendment. So now those, how do you, how well do you think that, that, uh, Clarence Thomas did in, uh, dotting his I's and crossing his T's knowing there's all sorts of other issues that are going to come up. There's magazine capacity, there's ammo restrictions, there's delays, waiting periods, uh, you know, like I had a friend that just applied for his CCW. He's never applied before and he was waiting. Now he applied. He just got in Orange County. He got the earliest he could get his interview was March of 2023. That's nine months That's away. That's going to be another problem. You know, the logistical delays. Because, yeah. Be, well, here in Orange County, it, it would be because money has not been appropriated by the supervisors to increase the unit that does this. You and know, they'll the try and play that. I mean, Orange County is, is, is not particularly problematic. They've been on right. the right track for, for a decade. We, yeah. Once they read the Peruta decision from years ago, uh, the sheriffs down there, starting with Sandra Hutchins, you know, they got it and they weren't afraid and they haven't, they've been giving out permits and they haven't had any problems as a result. Now they just, like most counties, they're overwhelmed with applicants. And so they don't have the staff to keep up. And so that's going to be another problem and another thing that may require litigation, not necessarily against Orange County, because, but, but I think other counties will use this as an excuse to slow roll issuing permits. They will deliberately not staff up to be able to meet the demand. But that's the kind of games. That's, that's the, this game. is the games that we're going yeah. to face. Every right. trick in the book that they can try and employ to chill your Second Amendment right and your right to exercise uh, your right, your freedom, they're going to try and push back against. Do you think there's any way that the en banc panel that overturned the three judge panel that we won in, in Duncan, the, the magazine case, is there any way they're going to be able to incorporate that test that Clarence Thomas spelled out six to three? Is there any way they're going to be able to incorporate that test into uh, a decision that also keeps the ban in place? You know, they're going to try. It, 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 we, it's, it's now the state's burden to try and find an analogous historical law that is similar to a magazine capacity uh, restriction. I haven't been able to find any from what we've looked at, but that doesn't mean the state isn't going to come up with something. And that doesn't mean that some judge is going to say, oh yeah, that's close enough for government work. That law is kind of similar to this. So, you know, we'll uphold this ban. But we haven't found anything. I mean, right, right. It's, it's, anything, hard, to, it's hard to believe that they would be able to find something. I, I'm sure they're going to get briefing from historians, probably there's going to be some historical society that provides briefs. I mean, that's probably already happening. But. Right. But the thing is, the founding fathers weren't trying to limit magazine capacity. They were trying to expand it. They were looking for bigger, better guns 
you know, uh, uh, than they had there. The Kentucky rifle was the big uh, uh, state-of-the-art thing right there, which probably won us the Revolutionary War because it shot further than uh, than muskets. Uh, but you know, they they were trying to be able to reload faster, not slow people down. That the the, the rate of reloading for the historical firearms was was a problem because it was so slow. So I don't think they're going to find a lot of laws that say, you know, the founders wouldn't have want you to have more than 10 rounds. Right. Um, I know it's, a, it's speculation, but I have to ask you this before we go. Uh, the New York case, now that they're looking at social media or they're trying to, um, how would you go about fighting that? And my my thought is okay if this is a second amendment issue if you approach this on second amendment grounds they have to somehow fit the social media thing in the history and traditions test and well, no 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 they're going to try and work around that how are they going to work they, around that well they're going to say no this, history is, and just, tradition this is just criteria for licensing this is like you have to be a resident or a citizen or this is not uh this is just a licensing criteria not a second amendment criteria they're going to hide behind. This is like, you know, licensing for a for a, a gay pride parade. You, you know, you can give them a license. That requiring a license is not a restriction on your First Amendment right to have a parade. Requiring the license and having all these standards to get the license, that's another battle, which I don't think was really uh, contemplated uh, in the Bruin decision. I don't think, I mean, he, he meant, uh, the, the Justice Thomas mentioned objective standards which will definitely give some grounds for challenging non-objective standards like good moral character or whatever they try, whatever games they try. But, well, it, you know, but I mean, if, if somebody's license new. is denied based on they're not good moral character, what kind of it, like going with the analogy with the gay pride license if the gay pride license was denied because they wanted three years of social media account, and then you have, you know, James Dobson from focus on the family, basically type of a guy poking through that. And he's going to deny the, the license maybe because that's his view that you shouldn't have gay pride parades or whatever. But, but I mean, analogous here would why wouldn't that just be a sec straight up second amendment denial because well, it, I, I mean, getting I, in the I, way I, of I, bearing arms? I suppose it, it, it is uh, in the sense that they're basically trying to come up with it. They're looking for a way to frustrate your second amendment, but they will call it basically administrative. They're going to characterize it as an administrative action, having nothing to do with your right to the permit and every, it just, you know, just fundamental qualifications like you can't be a felon and, yeah. and, and possess a gun you know they'll try and gotcha. characterize it that way time place and, and so, manner stuff yes the sense sensitive places seems like it's got better ground for them to uh work with because of the language of heller and also because of the history and tradition of uh restrictions on firearms in various places but what that, that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the next big fight in fact crpa is already working up a lawsuit on that on some of those sensitive places to to because the not only there's already some places that they've deemed gun-free zones now essentially 
declaring them sensitive places where even if you have a CCW, it's no good at a school or a church or whatever. And so we, yeah. we may challenge some of the existing gun-free zone designations, but well, then they're going to pass a law that may adds more. And they, they'll tear their hair out about the, these mass murders that occur in places that are gun-free zones, these sensitive place, so-called sensitive places. Those are the very places that the Supreme Court, I mean, well, the Supreme Court has said you have a right to self-defense, right? You have you have a right to, to Justice Thomas very uh, famously said, and I think it was one of his denials of his de dissents and denial of cert. And I don't know if it was Sylvester versus Harris or it was one of those where he said he seems he says. That he finds it hard to contemplate that the founders protected little more than your right to carry a, a firearm from the kitchen to the bedroom. That right, was his famous right. quote. Well, the whole point of that was that you have a right to self-defense and you're oftentimes not at home. <laughs> How do you leave your self-defense at home when yourself is not at home? That doesn't exactly. make any sense. So exactly. they'll tear their hair out with these, these horrible things that happen in these so-called sensitive places but then they don't let you defend yourself in those sensitive places that's what i'm getting right. at because they say in what they're going to try and say is in certain areas it's unreasonably dangerous or there's police presence that can protect you or some kind of a law. but what they're really trying to do is they make it so there's no way that you can get from point a to point b without crossing through a sensitive place where your license is invalid so you can't really leave your house with that license because you can't get very far with it. You can't get on public transportation or, or, or you can go into all the other places yeah. that they're banning. The, the irony of this right. is that the 200,000 people who have a permit under the old standard, they established some kind of good cause and got their permit. Those people have more, more articulable, more, more identifiable, more specific threats against them than, than you or I just, you know, because we walk down the street and anybody could be a victim of crime. These people had something that elevated their risk, right? Those people's permits are going to be similarly made, rendered less valuable, less useful because of all these restrictions that they're trying to impose on the people that are going to be wow. able to get them now for self-defense. That's a very good point. Yeah, there's no there's no tiers of permits where you have a special special permit to get into the sensitive place or public transportation. I'm thinking right. of the disproportionate impact this is going to have on lower income people and their second amendment rights. Well, we'll I mean, you know, they and we're obviously see because they're already exempting police. Right. When retired retired police are are, are yeah. using a CCW. If you're if you're in that category, then your CCW is valid. So we're going to see what happens now that they've outed all these judges and prosecutors. There's mm -hmm. going to be all these groups that are interest groups that are going to be looking to be exempted, to be in a class that they like. They have the super permit. Yeah, the exemptions. It's just another. Yeah, the, it's constant fight. It's a well. Well, going back to the 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 issue I just made of the poor people. I mean, they're already being priced out of ammo, and they're being priced out of. There's fewer and fewer. You can't get ammo at Walmart, for example. 
you you gotta go through a huge rigmarole now in California to get ammo. I mean, for example, when I walk into places I love to get ammo, LAX ammo in Inglewood or in Orange County, uh, they ask you for your ID before you even walk in and they run it and make sure you can buy it, ammo. Otherwise you're wasting their time. Right. And that used to be, you just walk in and get ammo and it's not a big deal. Same at Walmart and it's cheap, it's relatively cheap, uh, mm. price. The price of a background check is going up. And then now if you rely on public transportation to get to your job, to say that, that uh, so let's say someone is a, a maid in some rich person's house and she lives in Compton or something like that, and she has to rely on public transportation because she can't afford a car right. yet. So now she might be the one that needs the self-defense the most with a firearm to level the playing field with the bad guy. And now she's a criminal she's actually not really a criminal she's a, she's a good person but she's regarded as a criminal by the california law or new york i think too if she has if she has to go to work and she's effectively criminalized yes and they're going to make it easy they're going to make it easy even more obvious than that they're just going to raise all the fees yeah. so that people don't have and require excessive training excessive training so that, which costs you know, money put any bureaucratic hurdle in the way that they can. Well, we thank you for all the stuff that you do. Um, CRPA, California Rifle and Pistol Association is crpa.org. You can go there and donate and join and, and become join. a member. Join. And you don't even have to join to subscribe. I've said this before. Knowledge is the first step towards political power. Subscribe to our bulletins so you know what's going on. Okay. And and can be an influencer out there one way or another uh, to to get us take California, take our freedoms back in California. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, people can find you at your website, which is Chuck Michelle Lawyers dot com or something like that. I'll Michelle Lawyers, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-A-W-Y-E-R-S dot com. OK, I'll link that as well. Thanks for coming on again, Chuck, and helping us walk uh, through not only the, the the implications of the major victory that we had, and we can't forget that it is a major victory and that it's, it should put a smile on your face, but yes. also, yes. so don't forget, celebrate. You gotta, you gotta remember the good moments, but then also just remember they're always trying to come figure out. It's not the way. end. It's not, it's the, not end. the end. Heller was, people thought Heller was the end. Heller was the end of the beginning. Then we just had the middle. And I'd like to think that this is the beginning of the end on the uh, uh, useless, ill-conceived gun control with the actual agenda of civilian disarmament. I think mm -hmm. that the Bruin decision sets the foundation for that, but we still have to work it through. Yeah, you can't just mail it in. Right. And so, you know, it takes money. It takes funding. Uh, we keep our rates very, very low for, for the nonprofit CRPA, but it's still, you know, we have to. It costs money no matter what you do. So we just need it takes that people getting involved and being informed, and so they can see through this stuff. Yeah, you can, you can, you can give your time, you can give your money. That's how you do good. Uh, people you know, we'll can volunteer. What if they want to volunteer? They can volunteer. Uh, uh, you can volunteer through the crpa.org website. Absolutely, volunteers. <laughs> I love this phrase. 
volunteers are our most powerful weapon. Okay, so yeah, uh, yep, get involved. We have CRPS local chapters all up and down the state of California. Mm. Get involved in the local chapter. Local politics is really where yes. you can make the biggest difference. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And of course, we have to remember that um, we have listeners all across the United States. Actually, probably most of our listeners are not in California. And in fact, we have listeners in Africa and Europe, if you can believe that. So people are watching us from across the the if, the world because they they're and they're listening, uh, especially listening. They they listen from all around the world because they're interested in what's happening in America. So for well, for the national perspective, go to the Second Amendment Law Center, 2ALC.org. Okay because that's another group that I'm heavily involved with, which is a nonprofit, which I do not take a salary for, uh, which is looking to file these kinds of cases across the country, not just in California. CRPA is kind of California centric uh, and focused because it's one of the battlegrounds, but uh, 2ALC Second Amendment Law Center is uh, looking all across the country. So it needs support too. Okay, I'm glad we covered that then and I'll put that in the in the uh, episode note as well. Thanks again. Thanks again. We have Chuck Michelle, the the California freedom week attorney, very famous in California and actually across the country because you sold, you helped sell so many magazines. So, so did Gavin Newsom. So you, you and Gavin Newsom are both up there. How do you feel about being on the same stage? (laughs) I I know. I know. Well, thanks for being here, Chuck. All right. Thanks for having me anytime.